This podcast has some adult words and some adult themes. If you're a kid, you might want to go and play now. Welcome back to Neurotic Tornado, a podcast series that explores relationships and all the beautiful messiness of being together. I was UV Zalko. And I am still Jackie Shannon Hollis. And you've gotten to the very last episode of this damn season. Season three. Yes. And if you're just joining us, I know I keep saying this, but it's important to go back to episode 31 or 30 mm-hmm. to, to get to figure out how we, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, where this whole thing started. Catch on, catch on up, y'all. So, yeah. Um, so, we've been spending the season talking with Nikki, her husband Ben, and her lover Stephen. We want to give you an update on what's changed since we last did the bulk of these interviews. We did these interviews maybe about five or six months earlier than this moment in time. And Things have changed a little, so we checked in with our crew. Um, but before we do that, UV, let's. When we very first started off, we uh, our our first episode of this season, number thirty, the intro, was you and I talking about our own judgments, questions about how a relationship, an open relationship, works. Yeah, our biases mm-hmm. from the beginning. My view is a little bit different, although not, you know, in small ways. But one thing that's been really interesting for me is in the process of doing this, we have heard from so from a lot of people who are monogamous and who are polyamorous or somewhere somewhere else on the spectrum. And it's been so much fun getting all kinds of feedback, uh, mostly just very positive in different ways. One thing that's been interesting, though, is I've noticed a in both sides, both some monogamous people and some polyamorous people, criticism of the other side, you know, mm-hmm. like a polyamorous person saying monogamy is just not natural. Stop kidding yourself. And the monogamous person just saying those polyamorous people are, you know, crazy, mm-hmm. you know, get over it. Uh, or that it's wrong or someone's getting screwed. Or, yeah. yeah. I want to kind of protect both sides a little yeah. bit. Like, no, no, everybody's okay. Just do what works for you. And, you know, just don't, don't do, be so judgy about uh-huh. something that is working okay for other people, yeah. as long as people aren't getting hurt or screwed over in the deal. <laughs> and and do you think that doing this interview process and, and just this season, having sort of your antenna up has helped you be more that way? Yeah, I'm I'm judgmental of people equally, no matter what they're... <laughs> You're judgmental um, of the judgmental yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> right. But what about you? How have you, has, have your biases or uh, st- has your stance changed? Yeah. Well, I would say that my first experience w- was how can you have a deep level of intimacy with more than one partner, intimate partner. Um, how how does that work? And doesn't that sap some of the um, the depth that you can go to with one person? And I just see it as something, I think they're doing something different. I definitely think they're reaching certain kinds of emotional depth. They've had to, to get through the fact of the deception. Yes. And to create some level of healing. 
Um, I just think you have to be willing to go to some pretty deep places to move past that. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's been one of the things. And what just in that area for you, because I know that was, a, I think, a question for yeah. you. Well, I, 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 to me, I, I, I keep coming to this not so satisfying, but like my feeling about it is people have all kinds of ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. And it maybe it seems maybe easier to get to that intimacy on a spreadsheet with fewer people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think in reality, it just depends on the people and the situation. And so I can see a, 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 an intense intimacy yeah. with any configuration, mm-hmm. but I think it depends on the person well, and the relationship. Yeah. I think it also, I think it depends also on if you're a person who is sort of wired toward intimacy and connection and going into the difficult conversations that whether you're with one person or two people, there's the potential for that. Yes. And so there's maybe some people who are not wired for intimacy. Yeah, fuck this intimacy. <laughs> Why? Who needs it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But for me, I am, it hasn't made me any less interested in being in a monogamous relationship. Um, I feel like Bill and I have had an opportunity to go really deep in a lot of areas and that I, that I wouldn't have gone, it's likely I wouldn't have gone if I'd been with more partners. But it has opened my mind to it's possible to have intimacy in lots of different ways. This is the time where I want to share that I I believe there are an infinite number of multiverses. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I think the part that is unchanged for me is for who I am and what I'm looking for, I'm still in the camp of I want zero to one relationships. (laughs) (laughs) So even though I, I... feel less judgmental of other people's choices. I don't feel like I want to do more than one. <laughs> While we've been doing this season, I've been doing reading. Uh, yeah, you've been doing more of the homework <laughs> properly. <laughs> yeah. uh, and one of the books that I read is this book called Sex at Dawn, How We Mate, Why We Stray, and What It Means for Modern Relationships. And one of the things they talk about in this is that the idea of monogamy is really a construct. It's something that we've been told that has been true for the human species way back from you know the dawn of humankind. Um, but that, in fact, that may not necessarily be true. If you look at the reality of how many affairs there are in relationships, people are not being monogamous. But and the, the takeaway for me is that the bigger question here is about deception. Yeah, and that's another thing that's been on my mind a lot. I mean, one big element from this season is this non-traditional relationship, but the other thing is the affair and the deception. And when we went back for a follow-up interview after a few episodes into the season, it was really powerful to hear Stephen's experience of listening to the podcast, and in particular, the part dealt dealing with the deception the fourth episode, which is the one that focused on Ben after the disclosure, was a little harder to listen to. Here's Ben being open and honest about how he felt learning about Nikki and me. Um, here here am, am I sitting and listening to, to it thinking, yeah, we did that. You know, we kept it a secret. We did things that you're not supposed to do. 
Um, and here's the guy on the other end of that talking about it. And then Stephen told us that he had a heart-to-heart conversation with Ben and expressed his admiration for Ben and the work he's been doing. I think it's really hard with deception when you've been the deceiver or anything time you've done something bad to to face yourself. And that is one of the things that I think Stephen had the opportunity to do here and Ben accepted that. Yeah, and it's difficult on both sides to do this. But, you know, we talk about this, you should be honest and things like that. But in reality, you can't always be honest. And so when you aren't honest, can you say, oh, I did this thing and I'm going to talk talk about it? Mm-hmm. That's hard, hard yeah. shit on that yeah. side. That right there, I think, is a really key thing is our unwillingness to face our own dark sides and our own hurtful ways is often what causes lots of damage in relationships. And this is probably a good time for me to tell you something I've been doing about the podcast. No, (laughs) we got to edit in something, some good bit of dishonesty here. I wasn't out of town last week when I said I couldn't do the editing. I just didn't want to do podcasting. No, okay. Okay, sorry about that. You've been going in and editing all of my... uh, uh, Um, (laughs) I've actually edited out my ums and put them into (laughs) your voice. (laughs) So, okay. So, going back to um, the more serious stuff here. So, we've talked about the deception and being the deceiver, but on the other side of it, being the one who's been deceived, I think there's an ongoing attempt to try to balance that out. And... um, when we went back for that follow-up interview, there were some things that Ben talked about in terms of their living situation where he'd been hel- holding a position in the bedroom. And so maybe we could just go to that. Yeah, let's shift over to our follow-up interview and what we learned. And so just for review, by now, they've all been in this open relationship for about four years. Uh-huh. Yeah. And as you might remember, uh, Ben and Nikki were sleeping platonically in the upstairs bedroom. And and meanwhile, when Stephen would come over, Nikki and Stephen would sleep in the basement mm-hmm. less platonically. Less platonically. <laughs> and, and more sexily. Yeah. And, and uh, over time, that just increased to where Stephen was there most of the time and now has officially moved, moved in. And and through all of this, the the healing between all of them has continued. And you'll see some of that reflected on Ben's decision to move into the basement from the master bedroom. I had sort of held on to that that position, that spot in the bed, that space in the house. And I think at some point I, I realized that, that holding on to that had sort of outlived its usefulness for me. It, it felt like a it felt like a I, I felt like a really good change for me um, to be able to let go a little bit of that. I felt also that, that Stephen had become a familiar person in the house, and um, it, it, it made sense uh, for them to be upstairs. And also, yeah, a little bit of privacy is nice. Privacy. Huh, that huh. sounds suspicious. <laughs> Suspiciously <laughs> suspicious. Why do you suppose Ben needed privacy? Well, Jackie, I, I know you're not being honest because you know <laughs> the answer. So with this follow-up interview, one thing we hadn't told you yet is previously we interviewed all three of them. This time we, in- we interviewed four of them. 
It involved Stephen, Nikki, Ben, and Anna. Yeah. Uh, we met on OkCupid. Anna wrote me a note. That's about it. <laughs> it. It seemed sort of fantastically lucky, actually. I mean, OkCupid stacks the, the deck in one's favor, you know, um, in, in that sense. You know, we, we had a 99% match right off the bat. And so I knew that when we met, we would be talking about things that, that the other would probably understand. And so, yeah, it sounded like, wow, it sounds like they have something that really works going on, and that's exciting. We've got a lot of common ground. And when Anna says that they have a lot of common ground, one of the things that she had in common with Ben is that she also is married. With two children, even. And Anna and her husband are in an open, honest relationship. And they even... Looked at my profile together, maybe. Most definitely. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by (laughs) OKQQ. I thought Anna seemed like a pretty amazing person. Ben sounds subdued here, but in real life, he looked very happy. Yeah, it is subtle because he's maybe a little soft-spoken in the interview format, but he definitely looked like he was in a different zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here we were all sitting around a table, me and Jackie and Stephen and Ben and Nikki and Anna. Yeah, and that and it's it's interesting because when you and I UV think about the beginning of this se- this season and oh we're going to interview these three people that are in a relationship and it all seemed really new and different and maybe even a little strange to us and yet here we were around Just the table casually sitting around a table with six of us. <laughs> but now let's back up a little bit and find out a bit more about Anna. Um I met um, the man who's now my husband uh, over nine years ago, and and from the beginning we, it was an open situation. That was where I was at in my life. I'd been married before, monogamously, religiously, um, and that ended when we clearly needed to to take separate paths. And I I felt that I was identifying myself as a polyamorous person, and. Um, and so when I met my husband, he was happy to roll with where I was at. It worked for him, and, and that's what we've been doing. And it certainly has had some extremely rocky patches, but we're, we're pretty committed to not so much being poly as we are committed to just paying close attention to following our hearts and what, what we're, you know... Taking our marching and, orders from inside, basically. and so and so, you all both still you you both have a um, sexual and family relationship. You and your husband, uh, yeah. And and what what were you looking for? <clears throat> oh, <laughs> that's a tough one to answer. Um, looking for someone who would get where I was at in terms of my relationships and my commitments. Someone who would understand that, that, that I um, have children and what that means in my life. Yeah. And, and we could relate on that, on that plane, that and, which we do <laughs> quite a lot. And so Jackie and I wondered, how does this work with her husband? We've been tag teaming. Um, we're, it's, 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 all, it's in flux. It's an experiment. Um, and, and it's definitely up for review, <laughs> I feel. Um, 
but we live in two, we spend our week between two different homes. And so, um, I bring the girls up here to, to Portland and he stays at the other home to finish out his work week and to have a day to himself to just, you know, have his introvert time. And, and, uh, and if he had a, a, someone who was a lover who was local, you know, she would likely figure into that scene for him. Um, and then he comes up and joins us and I hand the kids off to him and I've been spending Saturday nights, um, here with Ben and Nikki and Steven (laughs) and, uh, showing, showing, showing up back at home sometime on Sunday. And so, yeah, it's a work in progress, but that's kind of been the pattern for the last few months. It's been lovely. (laughs) I have to say, Yuvi, this sounds like chaos to me. (laughs) You know, kids, other kids, various relationships, but she looks really calm and like she's handling it. They sure looked at ease about the whole situation. It wasn't complicated to them. But now let's totally shift gears. And if you remember previously when we interviewed the three of them, Ben expressed some nervousness about whether Nikki would be jealous uh, of another woman if if he started dating someone and what that would be like. Well, I I was... I was certainly interested in in meeting someone for whom we both could be knit into each other's lives. I've loved loved that about Anna. It's been a pretty big deal for me. Uh, and I love that about Anna too. <laughs> I I have not felt any jealousy because I look at Anna and Ben and they I just I'm happy. I'm just genuinely happy for the two of them. They so clearly care about each other. But I look at Ben and I think, look how happy he is. So happy. I've never seen him so happy in my life. I certainly never made him this happy. Which would be the prelude to jealousy for many people. Yeah, for sure. But it hasn't been for you. And believe me, I would know. Now, Jackie, are you able to make a graceful transition into sex in a way that seems like they're all connected to each other? I can always make a graceful transition into sex. (laughs) Nice. How would that go? Anna actually had something pretty interesting to say. Um, She had been listening to the podcast. Really? Our podcast? Our podcast. (laughs) And uh, so she and Ben got involved with each other Pretty much right around the time we started... Right around the time we started airing our podcasts. And she was very excited to get to the point of, you know, hearing more about Ben and his world. Yeah, and I loved what she had to say. I had some funny moments. I was like hearing about Nikki and Steven having this amazing sex together. (laughs) And I would be like, hey, Ben's having amazing sex too now. <laughs> and I'd feel a little I don't know, smug's not quite the right word, but like it just tickled me. So 
here they are, the four of them sharing a home together. For you or for us, it may seem different, but for them... These these are our lives. And from the inside, it all seems perfectly normal. Um, Yes, there's some unusual arrangements here, but... um, they are not awkward. No, I mean, they we are, wake up in they, the morning, we yeah. drink our cup of coffee and look at the paper and talk about what's going on in our lives. Yeah. We have a pretty good sense of what's going on mm-hmm. in each other's lives. Anna, Even for me, and I've been, I'm sort of very intermittently in the, in the picture and haven't been for that long. F- from the start, it it just felt kind of exceptionally normal to me too, um, you know. Even from the first time I came over to eat crab, you know, it's like this is super comfy. So that's it. That that is our season, our beyond couple season. We sure appreciate y'all for coming out. But rather than you and I closing out the episode, how about we let Nikki close it? Damn straight. When we moved to Portland, we moved from Ann Arbor, where we had a really lovely 1920s. Was it a Sears house? It it was in perfect condition. There nothing. The floors and the walls had never been painted. There was all kinds of natural wood, and maybe it had just had one owner before us. And we felt pressure. I mean, it was charming, lovely little house, and we felt pressure to keep it exactly the way it was. You know, any changes that we made to it had to be in keeping with the the character. the character of the house. So when we moved here, we bought this house that had been built in the 20s but remodeled in the 70s and it and, and was again in the 80s in the 80s and it had no, it it did was not keeping it was not a bungalow, it was not a four square, it was just a mess. It was nothing. It was a big house. It was a great big space that we didn't feel any obligation to have to have it keep any particular character. A floor was added on the top. It was expanded in the front. It was expanded in the back. It was the ugliest house on the block without question. And it had been for sale for years there was a cult who had lived there at one point. We later found out that there were like 30 different drywall textures uh, yeah. on the different walls. Yeah. <laughs> been remodeled so many times. But that has been the best house for us because we have felt like we could do whatever the hell we wanted to it. And we've made it our own. It's very much our space. <laughs>